0: Well, from the looks of things, we're going to have to get that baptistry heater checked again. So, it, uh, we, we did have some work done to it, but it doesn't seem to have warmed up all the way. So, I apologize, but it just makes your baptism more memorable, right? You know, so, all right, man, it was so freezing, and I've got a few of those in my memories. One's where I wasn't getting baptized, but I was doing the baptizing, but... Um, Thanks for being out tonight. I want to share a word with you. This is our Easter weekend services, and so we really just need to explore kind of what the resurrection means for us, and what I'd love for you to do is grab a Bible. Hopefully, you brought one with you, but if you didn't, there'll be one right underneath your chair. I'd love for you to grab a Bible and turn with me to Romans, the sixth chapter. Romans, chapter six. It was page 960 in our pew Bible. <clears throat> And this is the same text I read from about baptism just a few minutes ago before we started our, uh, our parade of folks being baptized. And I want to go back and look at this tonight. And, and I want to start off with a question. And I think it's a fair thing to do because Paul's going to start the section off with a question, right? And so the question I have is there any connection? Does, do, is there any connection between baptism and the significance of baptism? And what it displays has happened and should be happening and can happen in our lives. Is there any connection between baptism and Jesus' resurrection? Now, the answer to that question is yes. But the answers to Paul's questions are no. All right? So let's just look at the first questions here. So when he, it starts out with verse 1 of chapter 6. He says, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may multiply absolutely not. So let me just pause there for a minute and kind of bring in the conversation that's going on. You know, Paul is is basically having a dialogue with a straw man. Not that these questions hadn't been asked in real life because they had, but he is now writing a letter to the church as a whole so that they would be aware of what the answers are to these questions. And here's the question that has been answered. He spent a number of Chapters here in the book of Romans, and he is being laying out how incredible God's grace is. God's grace is mind boggling, mind blowing, incredible. It, it is powerful. You know, it is able to take all of our sin and waste and just wipe it away and bring us a, a whole new future. It, God's grace is incredible. There's nothing like it in all of God's kingdom. And so there were those who were asking the question, well, boy, shouldn't we then try to somehow make it where there's more grace, right? And they were probably asking that question for a number of reasons, and, but the whole idea was, well, maybe what we should do is sin more, because if we sin more, then we need to be forgiven more, and therefore God has more opportunity to demonstrate his grace. And so that's the question that's being asked. And this is where Paul was criticized often by those saying The kind of gospel you preach where there's no law, there's no like you've got to earn it and do it, and meet a certain level. If it, it, that kind of stuff, it's going to lead to this where people are going to just say, you know what? Let's just sin, 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 sin. Let's spend all of our time figuring out how to sin more so God can forgive us more and God's grace will get more glory. And Paul steps in and says, that, that, that is absolutely wrong. And here's the answer he gives. He says, how can you live sin if you've died to it? You can't live something that you've died to. Let's just pick up the rest of these verses. He says, how can we who died to sin still live in it? And he says, and let me go back in your memory banks and remind you about your baptism. Because you're going to remember in the New Testament times, it wasn't one of these things where I accepted Christ when I'm 15 and I got baptized when I'm 35. It's usually you accepted Christ when you were 15 and then three days later you got baptized. The, the, the act of embracing Christ in faith and demonstrating that to the world that you're going all in with your faith were one and the same experience. And so people st- said, so let me take you back to that moment when you were baptized. He says, or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ with Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him by baptism into death. In other words, that Sinful life has died. It says, "Or in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, Easter, right, resurrection, just as Christ was raised from the dead um, by the glory of the Father, so that you and I can walk, we can live in a new way of life, and that's what our sermon title is about today: a new way of life. For if we've been joined with Him in the likeness of His death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of His resurrection, right." Baptisms reflect that we're able to raise up and live a new life. And the reason we're doing, we can do so is because Jesus was raised up and lived a new life, a life that lasts for eternity. Verse six, for we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin since a person who has died is freed from sin's claims. Now, if we died With Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him, because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, He no longer dies; death no longer rules over Him. For in that He died, He died to sin once for all. But that He lives, He lives to God. So you too consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now to understand this passage, there's two things we have to really get our hands on. There's two main concepts that Paul's talking about. One is the old self. Which, that's just who we are when we're born. We just grow into it. It's who we are. And then he's talking about the new self, the new life that comes when we place our faith in Christ. We experience the forgiveness that comes in Jesus. And this, we move on. So our old life is characterized in this passage of Scripture, scripture as being a life of sin. You know, and... and I don't know if today we really have an appreciation for sin because we often, you know, have, we, we, we often want to take the world's definition of what it means to be a good person and adopt that to mean that's what it means to be righteous in the eyes of God. Those two things are not equal. I have no doubt that every single one of us in this room and the vast majority of the people who live in the zip codes of the people who come to Hope Chapel, that they are good people by the world's standards. They don't have any objective to hurt anybody they just want to keep to themselves, do what's right, try to avoid what's doing wrong. There's no reason for anybody to issue a warrant for their arrest the whole nine yards. They're just good people. They're the kinds of people you want to have next door as your neighbors, right? Because when your snowblower breaks down, they're the type of people who come over and finish your driveway for you. They're good people. That's not what the Bible talks about when it comes to talking about what it means to be righteous, to be a person who's without sin. Because the scripture says that all of us are have an old self and it's just... And it's because and all of us have sinned. The Bible says all of for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Now, sin doesn't mean that you're the Boston Strangler, right? It doesn't mean that you're the most evil person in ever. The Scripture simply means that you'd rather you would rather and are or have lived your life your way instead of God's way. And a moment in time when it was seemed opportune for you to just tell a lie so you wouldn't get in trouble, you did it. When a moment, it just seemed like, you know what? I'd rather be selfish than self-giving. You just embrace selfishness. You're just self-centered. Maybe some pride, lack of forgiveness. The list could just kind of go on and on, right? And he says, he said that old self is hanging out there, and Jesus died for that old self once, once for all, and he died on the cross, right, for us in that place. The new other concept that we need to understand is the new life. That when we place our faith in Christ, And we reflect that by being baptized. We've died to that old way of life, a life without faith, a life without any connection with God, a life without, you know, we might believe in God, but we don't have a relationship with God. We don't have faith in Christ. He said when we become, we become literally a new creature. We're born again, the scripture says. We have a brand new life and we can live that life. Because Jesus rose from the dead, and he has the power to give us the ability to live that life, right? So those, those two concepts run through this whole thing. So what Paul's saying is that, you know, yes, the gospel is about setting us free from the old life, and it's dead, gone, buried, and therefore there isn't any problem with us trying to make sin multiply so grace can somehow get more limelight. None of that happens because that's not us anymore. We're new creatures. And so with that, on your outlines, this is what the resurrection means, right? So on the backside of your outlines, this is what the resurrection means. What we're going to celebrate tomorrow, and some of us are going to celebrate it with baskets full of candy. Some of us are going to have a big, huge ham. You know, some of you are broken out the lamb and you're roasting it out or whatever. Some of you just made reservations at the local restaurants and forget all the rest of that. But <clears throat> we gather together and so said, what the resurrection means is that the new way of life Is not trying to live an improved and a better you. It's not about trying to live a new and improved, better, old you, because literally that's a dead end. So the resurrection means that when you and I are experience God's grace, it's not like we go back and we try to somehow make our lives better. You know, I'll just be a little better person. You know, a little bit more spiritual. These kinds of, and so we just try to work at being a better, improved old me. The Scripture says that's a dead end. What the resurrection means is that you and I need to simply focus. We need to take our faith, our energy, our priority, our th- and we need to focus on just being the new person that we are in Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, perhaps an illustration will help. All right. So, and hopefully this won't freak you out too much, and hopefully this will come off as, as significant as I think it will. it, it is supposed to be. But... We walk through life and we have the old self, and I'm going to let my shirt serve as a demonstration of the old self, right? This is the way we are without Christ. We're born, we kind of grow up, and, you know, we don't have to be taught to be selfish or to get angry or to hit or do any of that kind of stuff. It just kind of comes naturally. It's our old self, right? And as we go along, we accumulate some sin, you know, maybe somewhere along the line, you know, we just, we deflate the price we played for those new golf clubs to our spouse, right? They, you know, eh, they might have been up here, but, you know, they're really down here, or, you know, whatever. You know, we, we come up with all kinds of excuses. Maybe it's, we're driving, right, and somebody cuts us off a little bit, and we're just riding a little closer to their bumper than we're supposed to be, right? Confession? You know and, and the list just kind of goes on and on, right you know or you you're looking you're you're doing yard work or whatever, and it's a long way to your pile, and you look and your neighbor's not home, and it just goes right over the fence right you know I mean, you, you, i've never done that by the way, I want you to know that, even though I spent the day burning and what happens is our lives start to get a little t- tatered so i I got this demonstrated in my shirt, right, so as we go along, I hated this shirt anyway, so it was a good one to get, try to get rid of and so along the way. The old self doesn't look too pretty. You know, like I said, you know, this is this time when maybe just a few lustful thoughts came in. You know, or this time over here where, you know, I know I'm supposed to seven, forgive 70 times 70, but I don't like that person. Forget that. You know, or, you know, and the list is just kind of going, and going. You, you get pulled over to the side of the road and the cop comes up the back of the web and says, do you know you were speeding? No. Anybody, you know, and, and it just and and it just gets bad, right? It just gets bad, and, and life just gets, and before you know it, this is the kind of clothing that we have to stand in the presence of God, right? We we, we it's it's kind of beat up and ugly, you know. And and what does the scripture say? When Jesus died on the cross, he was we were he he died in our place. Our old self was crucified with him. And what the scripture says, if you pick up on his, it says literally you're freed from that old way of life. And he, and he picks that theme up in the beginning of chapter seven. And this is the illustration he uses. You know, my wife, Christina, is running the camera in the back right now for Facebook Live. And, and, you know, she made a commitment to me when we got married. And until the day I die, she's obligated that commitment. But the day after I die, is she obligated to it anymore? She's freed from it, Right. I mean, she's banking on it, you know, I, I, you know that kind of idea. And, and, uh, and, and that's because she's a smart woman, right? You know, and, 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 so, and so death frees us from that obligation. Jesus died on the cross. Literally, the Scripture says that it freed us from our old self, right? And so he just said, you know, you have the ability to take this old shirt off. And when these, these that came today and were baptized— and we're lowered into the water. They said, I- I've taken off the old self. And, and, oops, and I will get it around the wires, right? And, and that old self was crucified with Jesus. It's just put up here, right? It, it, and it doesn't mean like we have to be like the people in the Philippines, right? I don't know if you saw in the news, but there were a bunch of people that were literally actually crucified in the Philippines. You know, they, they hung on a cross, they drove nails through their hands. One guy's had it done 32 times. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm glad Jesus did it once for all. <laughs> and that means I don't have to. And my old self is nailed to the cross with Him, and I'm free of it. I can take it off, and it's gone, right? It's gone. But you know what most of us do? See, when, once we we experience grace and we get forgiveness, what we do is we'll, you know, it's just like let's see if I can fix the old self up a little bit. You know, so we get out our needle and thread and we're we're trying to sew up the holes and and then we we get out our are cleaner, and we're spraying the shirt, and you know we're trying to make it better, and hopefully that won't ruin the carpet, and, <laughs> and, and we're trying to make the old self better, and there's a lot of reasons why I think. So I think sometimes the reason we're doing that is because we, we fear change, right? And so, you know what? If I just keep enough of the old self, and I just make it where I don't feel as guilty about the old self, that's good enough for me. Some of us, we like the old self, but we don't really like not having a lot of peace about maybe going to heaven or whatever. So you know what? I'll just, I'll do the church thing and I'll listen, but I'll get it back down and I'll just kind of treat living it the way I'm supposed to, right? And so we, we want to hold on to the old self, right? Sometimes it's the peer pressure, you know, the church is kind of pulling us to get rid of it and God's word is pulling us to get rid of it. But our friends are saying, you know, put it back on. That looks good on you, right? That kind of idea. And you know what? Jesus says, you know what? It's not only been nailed to the cross, it's been buried. It's gone. You know, and and you can't put it on. You shouldn't be putting it on. You can't live it anymore because it's dead. It's dead, right? You know, no more than you would dig up the dog that you buried out back, you know, and it's been in the ground for five years and bring it in the house to say it's great to have a pet again, right? You can't, again, (laughs) that's... can we unrecord that from this <laughs> I only did it because when I was a kid I was forced to bury the family dog so you can tell I'm still scarred right and uh, picking it up in a wheelbarrow in the neighbor's yard and bringing it on is just really dumb. anyways now let me get your attention again alright I'll pull you back in Jesus said you know you, you don't this is dead gone it, it's never coming back to life he said you know what I'm giving you a brand new you to put on. You you don't need to be living the old you. You just don't. He said, it's dead and gone. He says, I'm giving you a brand new life to live, right? And it's the life that I've lived. And now because you have faith in me, you are in me, and we, 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 we're such an individualistic society, we have a hard time ex- thinking through all that stuff, but, but in, in, in the days of Jesus, the thought patterns were that, that you were actually connected and a part of community, and who you were, and what you did affected everybody else, just like as Adam sinned in the garden, all of us sinned in Adam, as Christ died on the cross, we are all there with him, and now that he's been resurrected, we all have the ability to live a new life, and he says, guess what, I've given you a new life, to put on, and to live. And what Easter is crying out to us to do is don't get out the old you and try to make it better, right? Don't, don't, try to get a, don't try to remove some of the stains, make some of the holes a little less noticeable. It's saying, you know, put on the new you. Put on the new you in Christ. The new you that doesn't have any stains, doesn't have any holes. It's protected by God's power, and it's going to last forever. So put on the new you, and and Easter means for us that that actually can happen. It it means that for all of us, we have the ability to experience new life here and now. And Jesus invites us through the power of his resurrection. This is the way the Apostle Paul put it. He says, you know what? I, I've looked at all of the landscape, the old life, the law, sinning, all that kind of stuff. And he says, this, this is my conclusion. All, the only thing I want to know is I want to know Christ and I want to know the power of his resurrection. That's it. And that's what Jesus has offered up to us. And that's my invitation to all of us tonight. You know, how, how do you and I... Focus on being or investing fully in the new we us that we can be through our faith in Jesus Christ. There's a lot of dialogue that goes with that. I mean, there's things like where Jesus says to us, you know, he he says, you know, take up your cross daily and follow me. There's actions that are a part of it, but some of it also is is a, is, a, is a is a desire, a passion, where he says, you know what? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because those are the ones who are going to be satisfied. And so my questions really for us tonight as we celebrate with all of these here that have said, this is what's happened to me. That old life represented by the tattered shirt with, with ketchup and mustard and oil and everything else on it, that, 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 that's gone. And by my faith in Christ, I've been raised up and I'm, I'm living a new life in Christ. That same invitation is made to us tonight for you and I to be able to live that way. And so the question really, using my illustration, is tonight, which shirt are you wearing? Which shirt are you wearing? And will you place your faith in Christ so that you can wear the new shirt that he wants to give you? And this is a good shirt from Macy's, eagle. off. There you go. (laughs) Which shirt are you wearing? And the second question is, are you still thirsty? Are you still thirsty for his righteousness? Easter means that living in Christ is not about somehow making the old us better and more tolerable. It means simply embracing and being and investing in the new you that God has given us through our faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what it means to experience the power of his resurrection. Let's do that this Easter. Let's pray together. God, we're so grateful for the many that came tonight to say, Something's happened to me because I put my faith in Jesus. I'm a new person. God, we're grateful for them. We pray that they would never look back to put the old self back on, but they would commit fully in moving forward in the new self. For us, Father, we, we really do pray that we would free ourselves we would let your grace free us from the past. And we'd be able to embrace the new us in you, the new us by faith in you. God, show us what shirt we're wearing and let us choose the new one in you. And let us be hungry for it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.